Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 through 20, the Bible says, And Jesus, he took bread, and he gave thanks. And he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, verse 20, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Here in this passage, we have two elements that I'd like us to focus on today. The first one is where Jesus says, this bread is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Because what I want us to realize is that today, today Jesus is calling us to remember. To remember his covenant. Now, in our last quarter, October, November, and December, we were studying in our Sabbath school lessons about Ezra and about Nehemiah. And one of the themes in the Sabbath school lesson was about the covenant. And Ezra and Nehemiah, they find themselves in a peculiar situation where God's people have broken the covenant. That's why they've gone into captivity, but they've been brought back out of exile, and they are calling, Ezra and Nehemiah are calling God's people to remember the covenant and to be faithful to the covenant. Now, in our days, we don't really talk about covenants too much. Uh, Today, what we talk about are contracts and agreement. And to a certain extent, that is what a covenant is. We have contracts such as our mortgage. That is a contract that we have made. Or if you don't own, you have a rental lease agreement. That is your contract. That is your covenant. If we've purchased cars, we have an agreement that we have made, a contract that we will make those payments uh, timely, monthly. If we are a student, some of us have had to take out student loans. And that is an agreement, a contract that we have made uh, with, with the ones providing that money. Utilities are a less form of a contract, but that is an agreement and a contract. Just uh, stop paying your utility bills and see what happens. And so in the Bible, the Bible also speaks about contracts and agreement, but the Bible calls it a covenant. In other words, there is an agreement that we have made personally, individually with God. And here Jesus, in Luke chapter 22, he is calling us to remember that covenant every time we participate in communion. Now, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that sometimes there's a tendency to forget that covenant that we've made with God. And and I wonder why, why it is that we're so prone to forget the agreement that we have made with God As I just mentioned, maybe it's because the consequences of breaking God's covenant aren't immediate. The Bible tells us that God is long-suffering and that He is patient, not willing that any should suffer. And so maybe because the consequences of breaking that covenant are delayed, we tend to forget. Maybe we tend to forget because unlike our bills, we don't have that monthly reminder, right, coming in the mail that our, that our mortgage is due, that our cell phone payment is due, that our car payment is due. Maybe because we don't have those monthly reminders that our bills are due out of sight, out of mind, we forget about God's covenant. But yet, we do have a written contract with God. 
That written contract is right here in the Bible. Everyone has a Bible. Everyone should have a Bible. It's there. It's sitting on our shelves. This is the contract of the covenant that we have made with God. Not only do we have a written contract of the covenant that we have made with God, but we do have reminders also of the contract and the covenant that we've made with God. Not monthly reminders, but a weekly reminder of the covenant that we've made with God. Every Saturday is a reminder of that covenant. No, not every Saturday, every seven days. No, not every seven days, every Sabbath. Is it any wonder that that commandment, the Sabbath commandment in Exodus chapter 20, begins with the words, remember? Because maybe we have a tendency to forget Ezekiel chapter 20 tells us that the Sabbath is the sign of the covenant. It is the sign that that God is our God and that we are His people. God says, moreover, I gave them my Sabbath, that it should be a sign between me and them. Here, Jesus is telling us in Luke chapter 22, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember, this is the covenant that we have made together. Jesus is calling us this morning to remember the covenant. A couple years ago, we had the opportunity to uh, visit the D-Day landing sites, at least the American D-Day landing sites of the Allies in in Normandy, uh, in France, uh, Utah Beach, Pointe de Hoc. And uh, we were able to uh, walk the beaches, and I was familiar with it. I think we all are familiar, right, with D-Day and and what happened there, and we're at least we're fair, faintly, you know, uh, familiar with it, and I was vaguely familiar with it as well. But then there's something when you actually walk those beaches, when you're actually there in person, and and, and when you're at those sites, and, and you still see the 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 craters that burst the ground open by the bombs that were dropped in that area, and you can still see the craters scarring the landscape, and those craters that are still there after 40, 50, 60, 70 years. There's something about being there in person, and they have, they have memorial sites there, and, and they have interviews of individuals who were there, and, and, they, and, they, and they have footage of, of what took place there. You see, World War II was the first war in the history of this world that was able to be captured on film and on camera. It was the first time that as, as, as citizens of, who weren't in the war, we had the opportunity to actually see what a war looks like. And so I was walking the grounds, and uh, there's a couple quotes that popped out in my mind. There was one that said, Time will not dim the glory of their deeds. America will not forget their sacrifices. But then I remember, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten? Those were... Young men who were 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds that were sacrificing their life for a cause that was greater than themselves. In fact, when we were there, they were also speaking about the sites that uh, took place for World War I, and they said that uh, those sites aren't visited as much anymore uh, because there's no survivors anymore. In fact, when the last survivors of World War I passed away, the visitation at those sites dropped because people forget. And they're wondering if the same thing won't happen with the World War II sites. At best, our memory is faint, fuzzy, if not ambivalent about what took place there. There are still surviving veterans from that war. 
And in fact, some, as I said, were interviewed. And, and you can hear their stories, and some of them are recounting the story of their time spent with their fallen comrades. And, and one of them said, for them, for my fallen comrade, for them, time stopped. We, we got out of that boat, and that was it, and it was over for them. And some of us made it past the, past the waters, and we made it onto the beach, and then it stopped right there, and then it was over for them. For them, time stopped. There is no more evolution. There is no more development of their personality and their character. There is no more future. In an instant, it's done. They're gone, frozen in time. But let me ask you something, though. Do you think, do you think their families, the families of those young men who lost their lives there, do you think their families have forgotten? Do you think their friends have forgotten. Jesus is calling us this morning to remember, to remember the covenant that he made with us. Jesus, here in this passage of Luke chapter 22, he tells us that, that, the, that the wine is his blood that he spilt for us, that the bread is his body which was broken for us. Do you think Jesus has forgotten that great sacrifice that he made over 2,000 years ago? Yes, 2,000 years ago. Do you think Jesus has forgotten? Do you think the Father has forgotten? The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son. Do you think the Father has forgotten the sacrifice? Weekly reminders of the covenant, my friends quarterly reminders of the covenant. Every time we celebrate communion, it is a reminder of the agreement that we have made with Jesus. And Jesus is telling us this morning, remember, remember the covenant that we have made. Remember that agreement that we have made. When did we make that agreement? We made that agreement when we surrendered our life to Jesus. And we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And when we were baptized in that watery grave in the waters. In fact, earlier today during our foot washing ceremony, Jesus says, those who have been bathed or bathed or those who have been cleansed. And that word there for cleansed means the baptism. For those of us who have been baptized, we no longer need to be baptized, but, but we still need the grace. We still need to be washed. Our feet still need washed. It was in the moment of baptism that we made that agreement with God. And, and can you imagine that? I mean, what other, what other contract do we sign where we do it in front of witnesses? And, and we, there's actually a bodily participation where we go into the water and we come back out. What other contract do we make that we, that we make such a, such a public uh, spectacle of it? I sign my mortgage contract, and I just go into the office, and I'm there. My wife is there. The loan officer is there. My realtor is there, and I sign the paperwork, and that's all, and then I leave. No one sees. No one knows how much my mortgage is. No one knows how much my payments are. Loans and other loans that we have made. But yet Jesus here calls us into a covenant with him, and he calls us in a very public way to step into that tank and to be baptized as a sign of the agreement that we have entered into. Why is it that we forget? And so Ezra and Nehemiah, they call the people of God to be faithful to the covenant. This morning, can I ask you, as your pastor, can I ask you this morning to be faithful to the new covenant? Can I ask you to renew your commitment to the covenant if you've forgotten? In the days of Ezra, faithfulness to the covenant looked like this. In Ezra's day, there were some problems with the marriages. 
in his day. In fact, the problems were so much so with the marriages that in an unprecedented move, the only, the only recommendation was for divorce, which is unheard of, which is unheard of, but that's how bad things were. In Ezra's day, faithfulness to the covenant affected the marriage relationships. In Ezra's day, faithfulness to, to the covenant looked like Sabbath observance. They, they were having problems keeping the Sabbath. They were engaging in business pursuits on the Sabbath. And Ezra was calling God's people to renew their commitment, not just to their marriage relationships, but also to the Sabbath. Faithfulness to the covenant in Ezra's day also looked like caring for the poor and the orphaned and the vulnerable and the widows and even the foreigners. In Ezra's day, faithfulness to the covenant looked like financial support to the temple. The people had forgotten about the service of God and the temple of God, and they were fixing their own houses while the temple of God stood in shambles. Could faithfulness to God today even look like a financial support to the temple and to the church? Can I ask something similar of you this morning? Now, sometimes what we say is that, God, we believe in you, and, but we don't really trust you, or we don't really think that what you're telling us is that important. We really think it's that important what you say about the Sabbath or about tithes and offerings or about relationships. I think, I think we, know, we, we know better, God. We believe in you, but we don't really trust you. But in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, one of the passages that describes God's people at the end of time, there's two characteristics, and it says, here's the the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Some translations say, and they're faithful to Jesus. You see, the characteristic of God's people in the end of time is, number one, obedience, and number two, faithfulness. Over the holiday season, I was speaking to one of my mentors in ministry, and he told me, Jonathan, he says, we, we've seen what it's all about, that, that whole concept of sealing there in Revelation 14. He says, we're, we're, we're getting a better glimpse as time is going on. We're getting a better glimpse of what that sealing is all about. He says, you see, the world, Jonathan, is being sealed in disobedience. The world is being branded in concupiscence. It's a good old-fashioned word. I encourage you to look it up, concupiscence. The world is being marked, he says, by iniquity. And God is calling us, his faithful people, to show the world what it looks like to be obedient, what, what it looks like to be whole, what it looks like to be healthy and to have healthy families, to have healthy relationships. Uh, every week in the news, there's a new drama, there's a new scandal that, that's breaking news. Could, could we show to the world what it looks like to live a drama-free life, a scandal-free life? To be faithful to our spouses, to be honest, to be dependable people, to be people that honor God this morning, Jesus is calling us to remember one more thing. In Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 through 12, if you want to look it up there, the Bible expounds a little bit more about what that new covenant looks like, the aspects of the covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8 through 12, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. A reference to what Jesus was doing that night on the Last Supper when he says this blood is the new covenant. 
The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. And it will not be like the covenant, verse 9, I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my, con- my covenant. And so I turned away from them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will establish with Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And here we're going to see three aspects of the covenant. First and foremost, he says, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. The first aspect that we come to realize of the new covenant is the aspect of obedience, the internalization of obedience. Jesus says, I will put, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write it in their minds. No longer will the, the Ten Commandments simply be written on tablets of stone. No, it, it will be written on fleshly tablets of the heart. In other words, the idea, the motivation behind obedience no longer is external because my parents are making me obey or because my my pastor is is holding me accountable to this or what will my church family think if I don't obey or, or my family or my friends. No, we obey because it's who we are. It's who we are to be faithful to God. Keeping the Sabbath holy is what I do. Being faithful to my spouse is what I do. Because no one's compelling me to it. Being honest, not lying, not murdering, not killing, not stealing, not being covetous. It's just what I do because it's who I am. Because God has placed his law in my heart. And while, yes, it's it's a work of grace, because it's God who changes our hearts. It's God who changes our mind. But it's also not something that happens automatically. Nothing in life, my friends, happens automatically except bad things. What you put in is what comes out. And that's why the psalmist says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Immersing ourselves in the word of God is part of the new covenant experience that Jesus was ratifying that day in the Last Supper. In, in In that Sabbath school lesson, we talked about the importance and the centrality of the word of God in the midst of the people of God. And as a pastor, it worries me when I hear that my parishioners are unfamiliar with the Bible, unfamiliar with the teachings of Scripture, unfamiliar with the values of the Bible, and and living them out. Though the other day, though, I I just had such an encouraging experience. We had a business meeting, and someone in that business meeting said, if you believe in the Bible, they said, if we believe in the Bible is what they said. When I heard those words, those words were so refreshing to my ears. When was the last time that you heard somebody say, if we believe in the Bible? then that's what the Bible says, and that's what we have to do. Those words were so refreshing to my ears. This morning, Jesus is calling us to remember that covenant, and it can manifest itself in the internalization of obedience. A second aspect of this new covenant we find in verse 11. It says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. And so what we see here is the second aspect of the covenant is the internalization, a personal experience and knowledge of the covenant of God. And not a dependency on others, not a dependency on the pastor, dependency on the church, or dependency on the elders or whoever, but a personal experience and a personal knowledge we know for ourselves. I remember when I was 15 years old, and, and, and I, had, I was raised in the church all my life. I had been baptized when I was 10 years old, but it was at 15 that I took it upon myself to become familiar with the truth, 
that my church had taught, with, with the truth and with the values that my parents had instilled with me, I took it upon myself to say, is there really something to this or not? It was at 15 when I said, is there really something to what my church teaches? What is it that other faiths believe? What is it that other churches believe? Is there something of value there? I, I need to become familiar with it. What is it even that others that don't believe, what is it that they teach? Is there something of value there? And in that journey, my friends, that journey of, of making things my own, my commitment was not to my own opinion. And my commitment was not to, to a certain theological group within the church or leaning in the church. But my commitment in that journey was to truth. The Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, every manifestation of truth, it doesn't matter where it comes from, is a reflection of Jesus. I decided to read Scripture for myself, to listen for myself. I began to think for myself, but never by myself, and that's important. That's why we gather together as church members, and that's why we have Sabbath school and we exchange ideas, because it's dangerous when people start thinking by themselves. Think for yourself, never by yourself. Immerse ourselves in the things of God, and it complements Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. This, today, Jesus is calling us to remember. And the third aspect of the new covenant, internalization of obedience, personal experience, the third aspect of the new covenant is also found in verse 12, where God says, for I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. The new covenant is a covenant of grace, and it's a covenant of forgiveness. Because the truth is, we fail, and we make mistakes. But God tells us that His grace is sufficient for us. And the new covenant is a call to confession, which is an acknowledgement of my wrongs, an acknowledgement of my errors. It's a call to repentance, a turning of the mind, a change of our attitude and our posture. And it's a call to live in newness of life, which is a change of behavior. Jesus told that woman, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. The covenant is also a covenant of grace and forgiveness. And so this morning as we partake in our communion service, I want this to be more than a ritual. I want this to be more than a ritual, but instead I want it to be a reflection of the reality of our lives. Can we do that this morning? And so I call you this morning, number one, to confess, to repent, to live in newness of life, to remember the covenant in whatever aspect that may be, whether it's the Sabbath or your relationship or your finances, whatever way it, mean, it may be, I call you to faithfulness. I call you to rededicate your life to the internalization of Scripture, to immersing yourselves in the Bible, in the Word of God, in the things of God as a person or even as a family, having family devotional time and family worship. It's so important. Praying together and reading together and listening together. And so I call you now to remember the things of God, to remember the covenant you made with God and to renew it this day. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.